there's just the willingness to go there or willingness to take risks, like you said, that are more close to that decision it's going to take him to lay out for a fly ball when he's chasing it down and and have confidence that I can get to extend to get to this ball or I'm going to pull up short and I'm going to let that drop and I'm going to make the safe play. So I think those are the things that we can't measure, but we're drawn to. There is a kind of addicting feeling that first time you go to try something that you're not sure if you can do the amount of nerves that you get and the physical response that happens in your body that it pushes some people to say, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to do this, but it pushes the other half of it or 60% or whatever that is to then do it relentlessly and get obsessed with it until you accomplish that task. That was James DiBiasio and Colin Taylor. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, simplyfaster.com. There's two items I'd like to talk to you about today that you can find in Simply Faster's online store. Whether you're a coach or an athlete, these are both things that you'll find highly useful as tools in your training toolbox. The first is blood flow restriction training methods. And after hearing about blood flow restriction training for years now, as well as the results that athletes are getting with it, especially in, for example, lactate sports like swimming, 100 meter freestyle, and not only hearing of that, but also seeing how much some swimmers had liked that type of training method, I knew I had to start trying it out myself. So I've been utilizing the air bands. I really enjoy it, both the feeling while I'm actually training with them, as well as seeing the visual result of spending time training with the methods and then the strength result. They've been a really cool training tool, and I would definitely recommend checking into Airbands. SimplyFaster.com also has B Strong brand blood flow restriction. The second item is the VMAX Pro, and this is a new option for velocity-based training, barbell tracking. It provides valuable load-based data, including speed in all phases of a lift, and it delivers key metrics such as power, velocity, distance, as well as duration of effort. The VMAX Pro system measures any lift you can think of. It's portable, durable, and intuitive. You can check out these two items and much more at our sponsor, simplyfaster.com's online store. Let's get on to the show. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It's been enjoyable in the last or recent years to see more and more elements of athleticism show up in sports performance sessions. Two coaches who are really putting athletic performance in that athletic performance equation are coaches James DiBiasio and Colin C.T. Taylor. James and CT work at T3 Performance in Avon, Ohio. They were both college athletes in baseball and football, respectively. And James and CT have been running the excellent Cutoffs and Coffee podcast since 2020. They actually had me on as a guest several months ago. So here I am flipping the script on them, having them as guests on this show. We'll be chatting today about their incorporation of a variety of athletic skills, abilities, calisthenics, flips, and different game speed modulations. How do they incorporate that into their training? They'll be talking about a constraint-based approach to athletic speed, leveraging and infusing principles of intuition and chaos into training days and even in strategic points in the training week. Finally, we'll be chatting on difficult training routines and capacity building. So they'll be giving their take on that element of the sports performance equation. This was a fun podcast, lots of takeaways, and I really enjoyed having James and CT on the show. Let's get to episode 320. All right, fellas. So 
if you had to say who intakes more caffeine in a given day between either of yourselves, not collectively, and Will Rattel, who would you say is the winner on that one? Will Rattel. By a little or a lot? I, I think by at least one bang energy drink. Will's got a lot more body to fill up with caffeine, <laughs> mm-hmm. too. You know, so maybe we can underdose but get a, a bigger effect because of just our sheer size compared to compared to him. But you know, we could go head to head. We could go two v one. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, accepting the challenge of a you know a caffeine off of some sort. Yeah, if it was maybe with the medium matter, if it was like coffees versus Bang Energies or right. anything like that. I mean, Joel, we named a whole podcast yeah. after it. So if that if that True. tells you how interested we are in coffee and caffeine. Will didn't name his podcast after caffeine. So I think we, we get a point for that. Yeah. We're willing to go there. You know, I think, I think we can test the waters with that. Yeah. I don't, you guys, you guys would beat me for sure. I mean, I'm on like two espressos, three espressos, maybe I'm trying to drink more like mud water and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally out. Rookie, <laughs> you guys, rookie numbers. Yep. Gotta, gotta get those up. I did. I wasn't at rookie numbers when I first started uh, the whole just fly sports thing. I was literally, it would be, do like a brew like a seven eight cup of coffee you know kettle and then just drink it by noon and like just type like crazy and i think i hit i started to go work out uh, in the mornings and i would like get dizzy and i'd have to just go like pound like muscle milks or like you know go eat something and that i that was that point that i realized that might not have been such a good thing for me and i think i've kind of been finding a level uh point since there so <laughs> maybe back in the day you know in my prime my mid-20s sure. I, I think i could have i could have hung in there probably not now when I first got this activity tracker, I went one whole month caffeine free because it would give you a readout and it would say, you know, these habits help you perform. These habits have a negative effect on your sleep, blah, blah, blah. And I was waiting for it to say at the end of the month, when you dose caffeine, whenever you have caffeine intake, your sleep goes down this much, whatever it was. Well, after 30 months caffeine, excuse me, 30 weeks caffeine free. 30 days is all I did. I couldn't go 30 months or 30 weeks. <laughs> 30 days caffeine free. A notification was sent to my phone that said, your lack of caffeine has not changed your sleep at all. So after that, I decided, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm all in. Because that's, that's the only reason I stopped. And once I realized that that wasn't true to at least my body, I decided to move on and continue the dosage. Hey, well, that's that's where the data is certainly very helpful. <laughs> Without right. that, we'd just be stuck in. Well, I don't know. Is it good? Is it bad? Maybe. Right, right. Would hate that, wouldn't you? I need to check. Yeah, I need to check that myself, guys. I, one thing that you know, in watching like some of the social media and, and what you guys are doing with like just calisthenics and human movement. I actually had this. I was swimming in the pool the other day. I had this thought of like you know, there's squat tober and dead December and and then sprint sprint timber or whatnot. But I was like, what about athletic August? You know, where it's like all these like tricks and calisthenics. And anyways, I saw you guys were doing like you know, like bar stars stuff, like calisthenics and like flips off the wall. So between um, you, uh, who's like the originator of that stuff? Like, is it UCT or J- like James? Like, what is there any sort of like? You know, are you guys trying to find like new ways to level up on those types of abilities or give me a little bit of the background, maybe CT, why don't you start and then James, you can chime in. Sure. Well, so James and I have been training partners for four years or so now, right? And I think we got to the point where we just got bored with the, with the regular stuff. So I would try something, he would try it. He would try something. I would, I would try it. He actually spent a summer on pull-up bars doing all the tricks and all the spins and all the things like that. And that was something that I was never able to do. So I decided 
during one day of our training that I was going to try to knock out these 360s and these spins and jumps and things like that and picked up on it pretty quickly. And after that, I decided the next few months I was just strictly going to dedicate to athletic expression. And that's where the the front flip in 20 minutes started, learned how to do a wall back flip in eight minutes or so. Um, and there was all these things that I just started to do because it was a fun way to express myself athletically. And I had just kind of gotten bored with the regular training. And what was cool is it ended up, I think, inspiring other people to actually recognize that, oh, things like this are possible. We have strength coaches who preach things in the weight room, but go outside of the weight room and are able to express express their athleticism this way. I think I got some of that from kind of the stunt world. I've done stunts in movies for about a decade now. And one of those big things that they always talk about when doing stunts in films is that you can't take it back, right? If you put kind of a half-assed flip on camera and they use that, then it's going to be in the film forever. So I, I've basically what they say now is just like full send, you know, it's just full commitment. And so I kind of dove into the, to the flips and jumps and spins and things like that. And it's, and it's been fun. So I, you know, I, I think there are some things I've, I've leveled, leveled up a bit that James has yet to, but I think the individual inspiration came from him to, to even get me started kind of down that path of, of trying those things out. Yeah. And I think CT was still playing professional football when I just kind of like fell in love with the the pull-up bar and it was more out of necessity than anything else. So at the time I was uh, a personal trainer at LA Fitness and I had just accepted a teaching position. That's what I you know went to traditional school for is to become a physical ed teacher. So there was that weird gap of the summer where I had accepted this position. I left my training job and I wasn't allowed to work out there because they have a non-compete. So I wouldn't take any clients or anything like that. And, and so I just started going to playgrounds and like happened to meet other people on the playground. And Cleveland has a nice couple of different metro parks that we would just go and and practice different skills. And, you know, we were all pretty bad at, at these things. And and I would I would definitely say that like CT's like skill acquisition happens a lot faster than probably ninety nine point nine percent of the people I know. So like what maybe took me a month to do the first time around, like took him eight minutes and we timed it. But it also helped that like we did it together and, you know, he was able to see how I moved and then just copy that. And I think that innate ability, CT can do that with most things athletic, you know, maybe outside of out driving me on a golf course. Mm. So I I think other than that, like hands down, CT is going to learn a skill very fast, you know, regardless of what that movement skill is. Yeah, I thought I'd seen, you know, CT doing all these things. I didn't realize that James, you were the originator, like the pull up type stuff. And yeah. yeah, man, eight minutes. I've always like kind of dreamed of doing a wall backflip. So <laughs> you'll have to tell me your, um, your, your eight minute process of learning that. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It was, it was cool. Well, it started with the front flip. I was actually, James had bought this gymnastics mat, this $200 gymnastics mat and put it in our facility. And then we weren't using it. And so we were going through some of our kind of intuitive warm up stuff where we were just jumping around and running and hopping on one leg and grabbed this mat and started doing some jumps and some rolls on it. And I think I was training solo on this day. And one of our athletes said, CT, you're trying to hit a front flip. And I said, well, I guess I could try, right? I, I didn't think about it. I was just trying to jump and roll on this thing. And so did that front flip and recorded it a little bit and, and filmed some stuff. Then showed James. I was like, dude, have, have you tried to do this? Then just like he said, he watched me do it, kind of broke down the film of me doing it, was able to do it, I think, the, the next day or two later. 
And then from once I posted that, it was probably 15, 20 videos that athletes of ours would send us and say, oh, have you tried this? Have you seen this? And the wall backflip was one of the was one of the first ones I got that I really thought I'd be able to once I fully committed to it, that I really be able to be able to do it. And that was um, that was probably one of the most fun ones to pull off because that just it looks gnarly, right? Just running up the side of a wall like Spider-Man and then pushing off and, and doing a backflip. So, yeah, we can I'll, I'll give you all the cheat codes off air. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I love it. I'll, I'll, uh, I really, I hope to uh, this podcast, but like I commit, I will do it and I will post it right. in a month, but I'll, I'll, I'll right. definitely, I'll definitely give it a shot. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to learning that. So awesome. you, you guys are talking about you know, these, these exploration and movements and you know, it's interesting. I, I used to hear the word movement and there's almost this, if you are in strength and conditioning, it's almost like movement is something that's kind of like a, it's like a novelty. It's not really strength, but the more you're in it, they're all, everything is interconnected. There is strength in movement plus a lot of other things it just depends on exactly what you're doing needless to say i'm curious how each of your own exploration in learning things as coaches has led you to see uh, training for athletes different so doing the work on the bars the wall flips the stunt stuff how has that impacted how you see the process of training an athlete for their sport james go ahead you had some really good points about this we when we were talking about this yesterday i thought you know yeah, I, I think like, so the first thing before any of the actual movements that we can get into is like, we're peaking our own curiosity. And I think that's the first step. And, and like, you'll, you know, as CT was talking about, like his athletes reaching out to him after he posted the front flip, like, well, guess how many athletes could do a front flip after that first week CT could do it a hell of a lot more <laughs> than before CT could do it. So it's like the belief that this is possible the curiosity that's like, oh, okay, I can move my body, manipulate my body in this way or that way. Or I saw this person do it and I think I might be as physically capable. So like that can then create an obsession with a movement. And then that obsession can unlock or level up our human's ability to, you know, accomplish that task. So I guess like, how does that relate into, you know, training my athletes is like, we'll play around on the bars when we're in a training session with them. We'll goof around and do different warm-up styles that involve front flips and rolls and, and different like exciting or non-normal movements um, that can maybe pique curiosity. And then what we'll find is that after the training session's over, maybe those kids will pull out the mat again. We're not telling them to do that. They're doing that on their own. They're exploring on their own. So I think that is like foundationally why we do it. But like I think the athletic expression is just like an added benefit of like letting kids kind of drive their own ship. One thing that when I was in offsite schools, so we work with a lot of different schools in our area, I would just say like anybody that can do a muscle up in the next eight weeks, I'll buy them Chipotle. And they're like, what's a muscle up? And I show them a muscle up <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's so easy. Nobody gets it. But I, every time I did it, I was buying at least a couple kids Chipotle and it was never in the program. I didn't write three by 10 muscle up one time. Um, so I think that's really where it's just trying to like, show kids and athletes that like, hey, this is a lot of fun. This is cool. We can use our body as a weapon. All right. We can use our body as creatively as we want. And then tying a little incentive really like gets unintended outcomes um, that are pretty cool and, and good conversations to have with athletes that are deeper than how to perform a perfect overhead squat. Yeah. And I think we're always kind of chasing different levels of buy-in from different athletes and like he had mentioned, we we have we work on site, but then we also have some off site schools we work at. So we show up at a school, 
they don't know the difference between us and and the last guy they had come in. So what is it? What kind of value do we bring as coaches to these athletes who don't know anything about us? And I think what's been interesting about kind of our own individual exploration of our athleticism is it doesn't take 15 conversations about our educational background or about how many certifications we have or what school we went to for athletes to commit to us and buy into what we're doing will help them. I think it just takes watching a coach throw, like like James had mentioned, a, a quick bar muscle up after 15 skill position football players of of a college football team try to do it and can't quite get the muscle up, right? And then it's always heads shoot over to me, heads shoot over to James, like, man, you guys ever seen one of these? Can you guys do this? And then we just go up and you say, it's real casual. You know, well, you give them some cues here and there, but then you just pop up like five or six of them. And then that's what they talk about for the next 15 minutes. Then the next team comes in. They were talking about how coach did that. Then the, a, a team comes in the next day and says, hey, we heard you did a, a bar muscle up. We heard you did a backflip at the end of the softball session. We heard you did this. And I think that's another way to just get immediate buy-in. Like, oh, if I train with this coach, will I be able to do this? I don't know if I can, but it, at least it'll get me closer to doing it without knowing the guy can can do these things. So I think it's been a really cool thing to be able to get athletes just to keep coming back because they know we are exploring training and we are training just as hard, if not harder than, than some of these kids are. And it can also leave the four walls of the weight room, which I think is another thing athletes are looking for. You know, the, the weight room warriors, like we talked about when we all did our, our podcast together, they're, they're going to stay in the gym because they're good at it. Right. And they feel a sense of accomplishment and they're not challenged as much in a gym. But as soon as you get outside of those four walls, I mean, you know, what, what can you, what can you show us athletically? So I think they see us as coaches doing it in the weight room and outside of the weight room. And kids just seem to, I say, I say kids, you know, college athletes, <laughs> professional athletes, and they, they just seem to kind of be drawn to that. Cause it's like fate. It's like watching your favorite athlete growing up. Alan Iverson does a crossover. So I'm just trying my crossover all the time, you know? And so I got better at doing a crossover. And I think athletes kind of look at it that way, not saying we're their favorite athletes, but just seeing that people who work with them on a daily basis are able to pull off some, some pretty cool stuff, I think gives us a new level of buy-in. I think that's such a great way of putting it. I, I have memories of like when I was a maybe fifth or sixth grade, I remember my, and James, I didn't know you were a physical education. That was your background. I remember watching my PE teacher who was like five, nine, maybe, and probably about 40 years old go and like just jump uh, jump off two legs and hang on the rim with two hands and i was like completely blown away like <laughs> i was so blown away by that and th i think that kind of i mean i was obsessed with jumping anyways pretty early on and that did nothing but help fuel that fire and it's it's so much of it even coaches uh, i mean they're all they play the role of a parent in some way shape or form you know and it, i watch like my son he's four and I'll, he watches me do like handstands and you know that that kind of stuff maybe some very low level breakdance type moves occasionally if i'm doing like warm i like to warm up with those types of things and i've shown him videos of breakdancers and stuff too and like he'll just be sitting there and like if music comes on he just starts trying to bust out all his his renditions of breakdancing moves with amazing skill for a four i mean i'm, I'm like blown away <laughs> And, and you realize just how much these children are so, whether children or high school or college, they're soaking up from this person who is in a, like, kind of a leadership authority role appointed over them. And 
it is interesting to think, I think about this a lot, is it's almost like our results, the results we get are directly proportional to the mental, the, the sheer mental drive and desire behind what we're doing, the emotional states that we can, we can drive up. And at some point, I think for a lot of us, strength, it just doing the same old strength movements doesn't drive that emotion. Okay, like, okay, so I maybe I get my squat from 400 to 410. Like, versus, well, what if I learned, and not that that's, I'm not to put that down at all. For some people, that's really meaningful. But for a lot of people, it's more meaningful. Hey, can I, can I do this flip? Can I do this muscle up? Can I do, can I level up in some other physical abilities? And apply that same like drive I had with my sport when I was younger to this now, to all these movement outlets, like a tree branching out, like things getting more complex. I've been thinking a lot about movement and coaching as a tree. And I just love how you, you mentioned that. Like as athletes see it, because I see my children see that. And I see them motivated to explore their physical options. And I, I absolutely can see that with athletes. And I think I, I remember that was a thing as well for me in all my years of coaching when I would do various things. If you are in a leadership position with athletes, they should be impressed with something that you're showing up doing. If they watched you train, they should see that that drive and commitment and passion that you have and be inspired by it. Whatever outlet you can maximize that with. And for some people, that is absolute physical strength. But there's a lot of ways to express that. I think one thing that that reminds me of is something that I talk to our new coaches as we hire and grow and, and are trying to develop our younger staff is like I, I tell them to train like their career depends on it. And I don't mean increase your back squat, right? <laughs> I, I mean, explore like as a coach, we need to be doing that. And I think one thing um, that CT does such a great job of is in, in the public and private sector, whether we're at a, like a college working with a team or whether we have paying clients coming to our facility, we do these things, but it's never about us. And it's never about like, look how sweet I am for doing this muscle up because like that could be taken completely the other way. You know, it's always about like, Hey, I can do this and I believe in you and you can do this too. And it's like, not like show offy. it's nonchalant. It's like, we, you know, we focused on this and then having those conversations really drives home that like curiosity, um, as opposed to like, CT's so sweet and CT's going <laughs> to tell everybody how sweet he is. <laughs> like they, they get that, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's just more of like a playful exploration. We're at a playground. We're having fun. Well, I'll tell you how hyped we were. I, I, I was excited when James and I hit the front flip for the first time. But how hyped we were when we had four or five athletes come up to us after a training session and say that they wanted to learn how to how to do this after they had trained. And so we brought out the mat and we talked through them and, and you know, the, both, both the front flip and a standing back flip. And we had, I mean, the first week after we did that, nine or 10 athletes hit full running front flips and standing back flips who'd never done that once in their life. And these are, you know, pretty well trained athletes. Seniors, high school, freshman, college. We've got some athletes, you know, older than that who who did the same thing. But just to see the look on their face and how excited they were to be able to accomplish those tasks, I got way more out of that than I did when I hit it. Because when I hit it, I thought, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of, this is okay. This is cool that we can do it. But I think that's why we're in it too, as coaches, because we care about the performance of the other athletes. And to see them be able to do something like that, that they never thought in their wildest dreams they were able to do. And all it took was a little push from James to the boss to get the money to buy a gymnastics mat. And then for me to get bored with the warm up to go try to throw <laughs> a flip. And like, that's literally all it took. And these kids will now come back to the gym. I mean, forever when they come and train, just because how excited they were to be able to accomplish those tasks. And I don't, 
you know, I don't know if people are doing that at other places, but we we're doing it by the the masses at the place that we're at. So I know that's a little something different that that we're bringing that that athletes can't find other places. Because again, we're strength coaches. We're always trying to show our worth, right? I can get your front squat up to this. I can get your back squat up to this. But then you'd have to go to a gymnastics gym to be able to do bar muscle ups and flips, things like that. Well, you come come to T three performance. We kind of do it all. You know, it's you can sign up for my new gymnastics class that I'm that I'm putting on <laughs> starting next week. You know, who knows? So it's 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 a fun journey. And again, it gets us out of just the monotony of what we're doing every day between those four walls. Yeah. When you branch out like that tree, like you, if you start at the root of, of just strength and physical, like the very baseline physical competencies and the level of just muscular tension and, and uh, structural integrity, and you start to branch out into movement, one of the cool things is you can level up more often. I know Michael Zwiefel, I think he's taken that even to the point where it's like, here's a level one, um, I don't know, I guess maybe you could say bear crawl. There's different ways, like level one bear crawl, level two, maybe you're throwing a tennis ball back and forth to yourself, level three, like it's like every you can level up much more often in a variety of things and you get that um i've heard podcasts where they talk about it like why are role-playing games so addictive it's because like well you're leveling up all the time and you get it like a dopamine hit it's like well how much more relevant to level up in real life you know and to actually be able to like, go and hit these skills and you versus like the weights yeah i mean you that's that is part of the thing that people love about weights right away is man every week you know i'm putting five pounds more on the bar and i feel myself getting stronger and that's awesome like that's one of the things i think we all really enjoy about weightlifting especially early on but then of course inevitably that progress starts to slow if you put on (laughs) five pounds every week forever you would be the world's strongest man like it would just it's it doesn't work like that but once we branch out in all these skills you can be leveling up. And the the other thing I'll just say really quickly is with the flips, and I think everyone has their own, you know, you're a, a stuntman CT, and I think everyone, it might be, it's, that's pretty natural for you to go to that. Someone who came from more of a, let's say maybe they were a football lineman, more of a powerlifting background, that might not be their first jump. They're like, oh, I'm going to go right sure. to the flips. You know, maybe that's <laughs> yeah. different. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, maybe it's grappling or jujitsu, or maybe, you know, I, I don't know. But in my experience, one thing I've really come to appreciate, and part of this was going to Rafe Kelly's Return of the Source retreat last summer, is the appreciation of risk. And you look at the frame of mind when risk is involved, it's a lot different than, okay, you're under a bar and put your arms here and put your legs here. You know, it's like, that's like so controlled. But it's like, as soon as there's risk involved, it, it is a different learning process. And like Rafe had said last year at that retreat, it's like, the masculine gets you up to the top of that cliff to prepare to jump. That is the action to get there. Is the action needed. But the feminine is what causes you to jump. That's like the integration. That's all the little pieces coming together in a way that you can't quite explain <laughs> that got you to jump off that cliff and do whatever, do a, a gainer on the way down or whatever it was. And that was really interesting to me because I think a lot of the industry and sport itself is the blending of those two things. It is not just a set plan and do X, Y, Z exactly like this. And it's also not just we'll do it, you know, whatever, just feel everything. It is a, it is a blend. And so I, that's, that's just been meaningful to me. Um, and I, I love just hearing those stories. You yeah, have like people like seeing you do the flips and, and then all these guys hitting them. I, that's got to be so rewarding. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, that's what I come home after 10 hours of work and talk to my fiance about. It's like, those are the stories I, I tell how, how was work? Oh, this was pretty cool. So we had a 240 pound former defensive lineman throw a full running front flip. Like, wait, what? You know, and it's, we, we can talk about all the other stuff, but that is the thing that 
gets me up in the morning. And that's the thing that James will call me after a day at work at nine o'clock and we'll talk for two hours about these certain things that were going on at the gym. And, bo- and both his wife and my fiance are like, guys, will you please like stop talking about this stuff? You guys spend <laughs> all the time together at the gym anyway. Yeah, but we're trying to figure out, you know, how do we get more people to do this and, and feel these things? And you had mentioned the, I really like the, you know, the, the analogy about walking up the, the, the masculine gets you up to the top and then feminine makes you jump there. There is kind of addicting feeling that first time you go to try something that you're not sure if you can do the amount of nerves that you get and the physical response that happens in your body that it pushes some people to say, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to do this, but it pushes the other half of it or 60% or whatever that is to then do it relentlessly and get obsessed with it until you accomplish that task. And there are only a few things I think in, in life that make you feel that way. Like you mentioned, stand under a bar and be nervous to do a, a back squat, but you know, if you miss, you just jump out from it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you go to a high cliff or if you run and, and I'm thinking specifically, cause we we're talking about that, that wall backflip, I ran up that wall probably 50 times before I ever even tried to jump off it because I kept getting that feeling of, I don't know if it's terror or anxiety or self-doubt or all of it in some crazy bodily fluid cocktail. You know what I mean? I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something that pushes competitive individuals to chase that mm-hmm. and Absolutely. to give that same feeling to your athletes is, is what's gonna, is, is a big thing that's going to keep them coming back often because it's not an easy thing to, it's not an easy thing to get on your own. I think it takes a little bit of, a little bit of a push literal or, or physical, I'm literal or, you know, metaphorical, um, but it takes a little bit of a push to get them, get them there. And once they feel that it's addicting and they want to, they want to come back and do it. And that's, that's kind of what scratches our itches when it comes to performance stuff like that. Quickly, I wanted to let you know about the chance to try out Performance Herbalism for only a few dollars shipping costs and get one of Lost Empire Herbs' flagship products, Pine Pollen, for free. Switching to an herbal emphasis in my supplementation has been a life-changing switch for me. Just as nature is by design balanced and sustainable, I believe that the more natural our diet and our supplementation is, the better. I love and use several Lost Empire Herbs products that boost not only my energy, but also my strength. These include Chiliagit Resin and the Phoenix Formula. You can check those out by heading to lostempireherbs.com slash justfly and grab 15% off. If you're on the fence about the power of herbalism, I have a great offer for you, which is that you can get free. You do pay a few dollars shipping, but you can get free pine pollen. Pine pollen is an herbal powerhouse that is a hormonal and energy booster packed with nutrition. It's actually part of the Phoenix formula. And you can get that for free along with the normal shipping fee at justflypinepollen.com. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, you think about sport, like you, know, you play football, you know, my team sport was basketball. And then, of course, I did track, which was very more controllable. <laughs> but so often, all those things in sport, uh, I think all those like split decisions, uh, learning a skill in sport, I would say it's closer to the mental process that happens when you're going to do that flip off a cliff or learn like a, mm-hmm. a, a swing, you know, a swing gainer type thing than the process of getting under heavy weight. And I will say, when you're going for a really heavy squat and you start to drop, you do get some more of that drop off the cliff mentality oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Without, oh, yeah. without question, it's still there. But I think it's even more when there's more risk. And even one of the things I really like doing in the gym, and you know, depending on if your ha- people have it at their facility, is 
trying to recreate like a parkour in the stream, like just box to box, just layout boxes, different heights, maybe, you know, hopefully probably not more than six inches difference, maybe an occasional 12 inch, but just have them, the boxes at, you know, four feet apart to start. Can you alternate bound over these or single leg hop over these? And then just keep pushing them apart, keep pushing them and watch the athletes who accept that risk of, I mean, you know, the worst that can happen is you, you kind of miss and have to sort of bail out. Like I've never seen anything that bad happen, but there's a little risk there. And it's just like the, the bigger that risk becomes, people start to, you have the option and most people will choose to go for it. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see that. And, and when just like small amounts of controllable risk are involved and thrown into the gym. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to yeah, so watch athletes like mentally work through those things mm-hmm. and create that every day for people. And that like speaks to the yin and yang of like what training needs to be for athletes, because if we're only working hard in the same direction all the time, like the diminishing returns we're going to get from like adding 10 pounds to your back squat, like you mentioned earlier, like those are going to happen really quickly. And like that, that trust to have athletes like, you know, come to us in the, in the, in the summer for our college program, you know, over the last four years, we've had less and less conversations about hey, could you look at the program that my coach is going to have me run and could I do this instead of what you have on the board? Those questions keep dropping off. Like we didn't have anybody ask us that this summer and we've had one of the biggest summers for college athletes. And it's just kind of like, like, all right, I'm just going to let go and, and trust you guys and we're going to have a blast this summer and we're going to do front flips. And that's what I'm going to remember. I'm not going to remember that I did a 315 pound back squat combo with a backward lunge for two reps. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I'm a baseball player and it's like, what just happened? Like, I'm going to remember like, oh, I learned how to do a front flip with CT this off season. Right. And, and I think like you can't say one outweighs the other because strength is strength and we need that. Right. But there's just like the willingness to go there or willingness to take risks. Like you, like you said, that are more close to that decision. It's going to take him to lay out for a fly ball when yes. he's chasing it down. And, and have confidence that I can get to extend to get to this ball or I'm going to pull up short and I'm going to let that drop and I'm going to make the safe play. So I think those are like the things that we can't measure, but like we're drawn to because DT's played at a high level for a long time. So he knows that I've been able to be around high le- level athletes for a long time. And, and so I kind of see it too. So we value both, but it, it's really like we have a lot more fun, you know, with the flips in the exploration in summer training these days i think back yeah i mean shoot even two or three years ago i would have viewed it more as okay how strong can i get this person how fast can i get this person mm-hmm. how how much can i bump older and i still do i still do think about that but a growing part of my radar is knowing and rafe kelly said this he's like every athlete you work with is going to be for you know it's for a short time or a long time but they are going to have other coaches in their life who are all going to be various levels of learning and coaching competency, some, some good, some bad. And in so many ways, the best thing you can teach an athlete, especially if I have them for a short time, is teach them to be better learners. You know, teach them to get into their body and to feel and understand movements on a higher level with their own intuition and to give them that. And, you know, hopefully I can inspire them by doing a wall gainer too, you know, along the way. But I, I think about that so much more. I, I'll have like, I'll have a football player. It's like, okay, I know when you go to school, it's going to be all powerlifting. They don't even do Olympic lifts there. Uh, so, you know what, because you're going to be powerlifting for the next nine and a half months out of the year. Well, let's do some side press, like bent side press, old school strongman style. What good is it going to be to for me to try to hang my hat on? Well, let's just squeak out a few more. Oh, I'm 
I can get you stronger than your coaches can. So, you know, like, and yeah, I want to do as good as I can, but maybe I'll give you some movements that you usually don't get. And you can see how your body, you know, that are lateral compression and not just front to back. And you can see how your body feels and reacts to that. And maybe it's going to make your bench better when you go back and work with your coaches. And, you know, how can we learn skills and how can you process your body in a different way in your time with me, in addition to getting stronger and boosting your metrics? And I, I find myself um, just thinking about really working on an athlete's, an athlete's learning process being, especially if I only have them for a few months, like it's, that's a really high thing on my list these days, even more so than it used to be. I think we're also super intentional when we're writing our summer programs in the fact that we understand what most of their college programs are going to look like when they get back to school. So we try to do enough to prepare them for whatever that program will look like. Mm. And I know we even had conversations where, you know, we've done upper and lower body splits. We've done different days. We've done, I mean, all these different things where athletes start to think they figure out where our, where our minds are at when we're writing these programs. And we had one of our favorite athletes last summer, I remember said um, something like, Hey, because it's been upper, like an upper and a lower split is tomorrow going to be lower body because that's just how it was going to fit in the program. And because he said that, we completely changed the next day to not be that. And so when he got crushed by whatever this workout was, he said, I am so sorry. I assumed I knew what you guys were thinking. Like one of those things where you prove me right. Like I shouldn't even ask. I should just do the thing. But what that did is no matter what situation he gets into in school, if there's a coach who wants to back squat more than they front squat or lunge more than they squat or press point, you know, all that kind of stuff, they will be prepared for it because we've been intentional about preparing them for anything. And I think that's another reason, James, why we've had less questions this year about, Hey, can I just, you know, I got this program from, because people start to see it. And now we've got athletes who've come back three, four years, the last few summers and they just know, Oh yeah, whatever my coach gives me at, at the school, because they have to be more structured, I think too. Right. I mean, that's another thing since they understand that there's structure in that they just want to they want to kind of lose that structure when they come with us and just be prepared to do anything whether that be a 315 pound front squat grip reverse lunge or a backflip off of you know a 36 inch box right it's we will expose them to all of that so no matter what the program is that they get when they go back to the school they can trust us and and know that we've prepared them enough for whatever that's going to look like with all this stuff how would you guys say that how has it been received by for you guys? It's it's largely like like parents' expectations. Of like, what is my? I, I thought I was paying to have my kid, you know. Just, and obviously, you're doing the lifting too. But like, I think that there's a lot of no matter where you are with this stuff. I think it's more expected in athletic performance. It's just lifting and some clear cut drills, you know. And so, how has your experience been with how parents or others um, are receiving what you guys are doing? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're we're both lucky enough to have been doing this for a long time that like our, our performance facility, T3 Performance, has a very good reputation. So there's like a base level of trust when people are coming to pay for our training. And on top of that, we have a, a pretty good amount of athletes that have performed at a high level. So we have a lot of results that people know about the athletes that we've trained. So like all of those things help us when we're coming into right? The, the facility to have that conversation with the parent, to have that conversation with the athlete, to kind of set the stage before they start training. Like this isn't going to look like you think it's going to look like. And, and, you know, that brings us back. Me and CT had the opportunity to work with a local football team. And like, that's the first thing we told them before they're 
uh, they had like, you know, 12 weeks with us to do some speed training. The first thing we told them was like, this is not going to look like anything that you think speed training is going to look like. But like, I promise you, you'll feel faster. You'll actually be faster. And if you don't believe us, your coach is going to be timing you on runs throughout this period and, and the results show. So like, I just like think putting it out there and just like admitting that this is going to be a little different and that we don't necessarily know everything we're going to be doing with them. And that if they feel like something was beneficial, tell us that they feel like something wasn't beneficial, please tell us so that we have that like initial open line of feedback between the coach and the athlete that can go a long way to let us explore because like what clicks with one athlete isn't going to click with another athlete. So definitely like setting the stage before we even get into the training, I think goes a long way. And, and then not being like stagnant in, in, in the workouts that we're providing. So it isn't like, it's like what CT said is like, there isn't necessarily like a routine that athletes can pick up on and follow so that they're constantly having to like listen and, and make decisions in their speed training and in their weightlifting training, like we'll give guidance when it comes to like figuring out weights, but kids are going to have to figure that out on their own. But like, it's that learning environment that we're trying to create that I think provides the results that at the end, but like people have already seen those results coming in and it's not like, it's not something that we're totally new to people that are, that are seeing us now. It's totally different when we're at a college, yeah, right? So mm -hmm. when we're at a college now and, and that CT is like wheelhouse getting buy-in right away, is is different and um you know he's at a, a division two um school in, in in the cleveland area and they are very good at football um and we had to get buy-in immediately with this team because they've had three different strength coaches in three years and we were the fourth and the funny thing like i went in to do the first session because ct was shooting a movie um and and it was just like teeing it up for him but like the first thing i told those guys is like hey after today our back won't hurt and our hips will feel better than they ever felt and like walking out guys are like holding their hips damn coach like what's your ig you got this shit on ig and i'm like yeah i, I post sometimes but like just wait till you meet ct it's even gonna be better right and so now he goes in and like he's providing them an incredible experience that learning environment and and i think that's where being able to like take a step back and and realize that like what are athletes thinking coming into the facility what are parents thinking coming into the facility most people aren't going to know how to turn a treadmill on, let alone like, oh, well, I should have been doing a skip. Why am I doing cartwheels in my warmups? I should have been doing a skip. I got to go to another facility. Like people don't necessarily know how to turn a treadmill on. So they're not going to know what we're doing is like weird yet until, <laughs> until they see other things, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. It's interesting. Yeah, the process of getting buy-in. And I think it's a little bit different for every, every facility. It is definitely, I think too, I could definitely see, like you said, the, the college university sector being a lot more difficult and challenging to integrate that than the private sector. And it is true as well. I think that the private sector, like the summer of training is kind of, if it's the off season, it is totally different. It's like, all right, we're training. We're kind of in, right, we're, we're in or preseason or whatever. So with that in mind, take me through uh, maybe either scenario, whatever direction you want to either that preseason football or what it look, looks like at your facility and at summer training, take me through the balance of the intuitive work uh, and then how you filter in or, or move into the strength part of the program. Go ahead and start with that, James. And then I, yeah, I can I'll, talk I'll lead in with college. The, yeah. At the school. Sure. Yeah. So we kind of see like the speed work, right? So in our typical session, we run 90 minutes of training and, and the first half hour is going to be a blend of like warming up and doing speed. And, and we have like your traditional speed work, which would be like a dedicated day for acceleration. And then we have our like small sided games. And then we have our just 
open games. And we typically kind of like if, if kids are coming in five days, they're going to be getting probably two traditional days of like what you would think speed training should be. But like there's a lot of nuance in there because like no day is ever going to be the same. And then like our small sided games could involve, you know, whether it's med ball tag, four on four or four on one, whether it's like making reactionary decisions like we're trying to fill. We have four cones set up, two athletes are running to two gaps and, and a running back has to weave their way through. So those are like the small sided kind of decision, change of directions. And then every Wednesday we open it up and we have game day and, and we'll play speedball, kickball, you know, name a game. We've probably played some variation. We'll change the rules halfway through. So it's going to be like two traditional days to one small sided and one open day with us being able to change that at any time because kids are getting used to it. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, so we run, yeah, we run that what three months or so, three and a half months or so in the summer. And then we have athletes all the way from division one to division three and NAIA and are all over the place. Got some guys at Ohio state and then some other players at Youngstown. And, and so you get athletes from all different backgrounds and all different sports. And we tried our best to build a culture where they all feel like they're coming and training with their best friends. And I think that's another big key about it is, is we've been able to put them in situations where they get to learn about each other. We, we work with a mental performance coach. And so we will have 15 minute conversations about, you know, what is, what is your hardest thing to get over when you're struggling in baseball or when you're on a cold streak on the basketball court, what, and, and kids will get to learn about each other. And that's cool too, because then they show up and you see the relationships they've built between each other. And even though it's tough to come in at 645 and start training at seven, you'll see kids coming in with smiles on their faces because they're excited to be there with their friends. And I think that's another thing that's been a big success, big part of the success for what, what we've done is just the relationships we've, we've been able to kind of let them build, if that makes sense. And how it works for me when I'm off site. And at, at the school, at this Division two school we're talking about, it's uh, Notre Dame College on the east side of Cleveland, is I understand as a college football player the the mental kind of place that these athletes will come into training. You know, it's, all right, I'm, I'm here for football. I My head coach loves the weight room and loves the speed work, and he's hyped all this stuff up, and then I'm going to show up, and I'm a, I'm a junior this year, so I really got to make sure that I'm dialed in, and, you know, and and kids come with a lot of tension. And the first thing I try to do is either make fun of them or make fun of me. And that seems to like break a little wall down that when they see the guy standing in front of them with the whistle and the, and the coach bucket cap that like this guy doesn't take himself too, too seriously. So I shouldn't. Right. And that's kind of where I start with, with my training. And then we get through our warm up and we do whatever we do, but I always try to give them one thing every day that I can do that. I know most of them can't do. And sometimes it's easy as, you know, just like single leg a skips and I'll just have them do it and I'll have them do it over and over and over again, just so they are exposed and recognize how bad they are at it. Right. And again, kind of breaking it down, like making fun of them here and there, because I don't want it to be like, I've got to be perfect for everything. And I always tell them, I'm not the, I don't make the decisions if you play or not. Right. So you don't have to always show up for me and succeed for me. So I always try to do one thing that I can do that I know they can't do. And again, it, it could be hit a backflip 
and then backpedal into a sprint. And then I'll say, all right, you got, you know, here we go. First group up ready. And everybody's all super nervous and I won't actually do it. But, you know, just like things like that, throwing it out there to kind of like breaking those walls down. And then we do the similar, similar things with, with the speed work. I will do a lot of the technical things because I think it's important for the athletes to understand that we know what we're talking about, you know, so it doesn't seem too off the cuff, but then also depending on weather, depending on space we have, depending on what equipment we have, which is often not much, then all set up similar chase games and drills. And then you're just getting high level competitors in a competitive setting. And then I just step back and, and watch the magic happen. And you watch them laugh and you watch them dap each other up. And then we take that energy into the weight room. And no matter what we do in the weight room, we'll have success because we're coming in with that intent and we're coming off the field where we just had a blast and we're sweating and we were working hard. And then everybody's ready to produce some outputs in the gym. And we just do that consistently. And that's kind of like the, that's the magic in it is that they keep showing up. They're having a good time. They're laughing. They're exposed to things that their coach, that their 35-year-old coach can do. I keep saying, guys, I'm 35 years old. You're 21-year-old college football players. Like, I shouldn't be able to do this stuff that you guys can't do, right? And that just puts, that pisses them off. That pushes them. And then I get a little more intent that way. But I think it all kind of starts at the fact that James and I don't take ourselves too seriously in the, in the roles we're in. And we want kids to laugh. And we want kids to fail. And we want to show them that we do that too. And I think that is immediately kids recognize and, and kind of flock to that. And that's, that's a part of why we're able to have some success. I'm sure if a super serious guy came out first day, everyone's going to do this backflip. Like that wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've had kids, oh, we'll do it. We'll try. And like, well, you know, cause then that comes back on me cause you miss it. And then I get in trouble. Yeah. So we, yeah, well, I haven't done that one yet, but just things like rolls, we'll do a roll to like a single leg pop-up or we'll do a kip up, right? Like laying on your back and kip up and do a sprint and you'll get 3% of athletes be able to do it. But us as coaches, we can show it pretty confidently. We can sh- show it with, with some, you know, where we're calm. Um, and I think that's helpful too. Cause they look at it and like, Oh, James makes that single leg pistol squat look so easy. And then these kids can't do it and think, oh man, I gotta, I gotta keep working with this guy because he's gonna teach me how to do that. So we use some of those private sector things in the in the kind of like bigger team setting training sessions. But it's all again, it all comes back to kind of and a big thing I've learned from the from the podcast, it all comes back to the relationships we've built. You know, they're not gonna show up if they don't like being around me or being around their teammates. And so we gotta do the best we can to be able to facilitate that just to get them showing up consistently. And then from there, then anything's possible. I agree with something I think about a lot. And ever since Rafe Kelly had said, you know, I want to get the maximum amount of smiles and fun happening before the the more serious training, I guess you could say. And I always felt like men's tennis at Cal was the first team I, I saw this on a really substantial level because it was the team I could play the most games with because the coaches were fully bought in on that. And it's not, they also had a little bit more time, I think, relative to, like, I couldn't do that with the swim team. Like someone might, you know, if we play basketball for a half hour, chances are more likely than not someone's probably going to sprain an ankle just given the law of numbers in basketball and the fact that they're swimmers. Um, but but uh, tennis, we, we could do that. And I just found 20, 30 minutes of games. Like Honestly, it could be as simple as, hey, we're just going to go play half-court basketball for 30 minutes. And then they would come in and lift and be like literally like 20 pounds stronger in the squat. I mean, it was just like crazy. And we didn't have to warm up barely at all. 
<laughs> it's like, you know, it's that simple. Just go play or whatever. We played a lot. We played a lot of different games. We played volleyball or, you know, half, half the basketball court and soccer or whatever. And we were, I wasn't even that. And then we, I would take them um, through like a gym, you know, we do crawls and, and all sorts of chases and tennis ball drops and, and that kind of thing too. If we didn't go in the gym where I had a little more creativity in the matter, but it was always like, how much, how like high can I get that dopamine engine? How much fun can we have? How much of all these elements that make us human can we really get? on point and not to mention velocity and then the lifting was like almost a, a function of that on some level especially we all know the days you come in you're kind of sore you're not feeling good and sometimes it's not even the workout the warm-up it's like okay what are the magic ingredients that are going to get me feeling better and, and and make my lifting better today it's like well how about the community element you know the fun like interacting with other people like that that energy is really important too so i, I that's what I, I find myself thinking about a lot is how can i use whatever tools i have available to really max out that that and, and that it's always intuitively as well for the most part with that mm-hmm. i mean a game's super intuitive too but to, to really max out that um that fun factor and, and the smiles on people's faces and then get to the more some of the more traditional type things and i think like more than anything i could say as a coach creating an environment is going to be the most beneficial for the athletes that i'm that i'm working with and, and whether that's like me creating an environment that's welcoming for athletes that they have a good time or me intentionally doing drills that are providing an environment that gets an athlete to feel a certain thing. So, you know, we have that like community aspect, but we also have like, I can have an athlete do a shuffle holding onto a mud ball on the ground and like tapping it as they go side to side. Right. Or I could say, get low till I'm blue in the face. Like I'm just going to put the med ball on the ground and I'm going to say shuffle with it. Um, (laughs) That's more powerful to change the environment than it is for me to try and cue you know, a million times the same thing over and over again and not get any, any better of a result. And so then once I started kind of realizing that, that just like opened up into pretty much every category of speed that we could do is just, let's just change the environment and let's change the environment again. And I think we were talking about it before we we started the, the show is like, you know, we could run with the dowel rod at our chest to feel that hip shoulder separation right? If we get bored with that, we can do it with a med ball. If we get bored with that, we can hold a dumbbell. Like we can change the environment of the drill to get the outcome we want way easier than trying to say, Hey, when you're running, it's actually rotational, even though it's linear. So do that. Like that's not going to work with (laughs) a 12 year old kid. (laughs) Right. And it's, and it's not going to work with a a college kid who's been taught linear acceleration is going at a horizontal force vector of this at perfect 45 degrees and moving like a robot, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but if you can get a high level, you know, we had a a fullback that's, you know, goes to air force and and he was very boxy. And so he just had to hold on to stuff every time he would run. And like, now he moves like a running back and it's great. But like, that wasn't what I said. That was the environment we created for him to learn how to move differently. Um, And then pairing that up with the, the small sided games allows him to express that in a in a um environment that's competitive but not outcome driven it's process driven so he's not worried about messing up in this game of teen handball because that coach is going to yell at him and pull him off the field he's worried about scoring in this game of team handball so he can (laughs) talk shit to the 7 a.m group who he's playing against And, and i i think those are you know those are so like cool changes to watch because you can quantify it because we see our flying 10 get better yes right but like you can't, it's quantifiable, but it's also way more observable, you know, from somebody who's had a football background to be able to see, like, I know that's going to be a better way to move on the field. 
I think, yeah, as coaches, a lot of times we want to feel like we're saying something that directly influences the outcome. You know, give me these things to say, these positions to coach that <laughs> it's going to make people faster and I'm coaching and, you know, but it's like at some point you have to realize that athletes are running totally different than that when they're actually going full out than this position you want them to hit. And there's all these frames in the middle of positions too. And then there's a level of surrender to give it up to, hey, you know, yeah, hold this med ball and feel the rotation that, or maybe don't even say feel the rotation. They're, you know, they'll just, they'll get it on their own. And you think about, well, who's going to be like the idea of summer training too? Who's going to be more robust in transferring all these things over to when they go sprint and sport? Someone who sprint had to sprint under seven or eight different constraints and be good at all of them and integrate all of them, or someone who was coached in one sprint and told X, Y, Z, you know, like, of course, it's a person who has all these constraints. They have all these problems they had to solve, you know, and they solve probably most of them like a child solves movement and just intuitively and through feeling you know, absorbs it. And yeah, I, I think that's a, that's such a cool example with the rotation, the boxy athlete, you give him a lot of things to rotate with and he figures rotation out. And, and I think like a great place to go to watch queuing done just absolutely poorly and no offense to weightlifting coaches out there, but um, T3, we have a barbell um, team, so T3 barbell, but like because of that, I've been able to be in the back room of weightlifting competitions and like the stuff that we hear coaches say when like the athlete is attempting their heaviest lift is just absolutely hilarious because there's no way they can process that in that moment. And it's like, push through the floor, extend the legs, glutes at reach, make sure we have a strong core. All right, send it. And now finish. Think of these five things and send it. Yeah. And it's like, meanwhile, the athlete's getting crushed in the front rack about to pass out. And, you know, I think those are other eye-opening experiences that I've been lucky enough to be around to realize that, oh shit, that was me five years ago. Like I used to do that, <laughs> right? And, and now it's just like, go get it. <laughs> You know, very simple. You yeah. got this. Speed um, in so, so many I, ways is like that heavy squat, though, because it's just with your body, mm -hmm. but it's max velocity, maximal right. reaction to the stimuli, you know? And it's, I think it's an athlete running their fastest in game like stimuli is very close to how someone at least would take coaching in that uber heavy squat situation. I don't think, even though the squat's a totally different physical stimulus, I think it's very similar from like a mental, you know, what you're processing and all that. Yeah, and another visual that always like kind of cracks me up when I think about like, you know, coaching sprinting, like imagine if you're a sprint coach and you're coaching an athlete while they're sprinting and you have to run alongside them <laughs> to give them the cues while they're sprinting. Like, well, that looks ridiculous. Like, and, and it's just not feasible. So like maybe what we say, you know, it does have some play into it and those conversations matter, but like not in that moment, not during that sprint, not during that lift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. That <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like we. I, I think it's definitely good to have I, you know, ideas and say things at some point, but yeah, not mm -hmm. in the middle of not. And it is it is funny. It's like yeah, the coaches are yelling five things. Or I remember at the NCAA Division three track meet, it's like the championship meet. You've been going through this all season, and that's like the meet that coaches find it necessary to say the most to their athlete that they've ever <laughs> said. Like all these coaches, I'm like God. Like you just talk to your athlete for like a minute and a half after that last jump, like. And this is like, why, why, and about technical stuff, not just, I, if anything, talk to them about, you know, like just something, make me make a joke or something, you know, like something to take the, the pressure off the moment or something like that. If you're cooking up a good joke for a minute and 30 seconds, with a nice punchline to, you know, maybe take some pressure off this person or I don't know. I just, just found that kind of amazing. It's like, what part of me is actually doing that coaching? It's probably the one part of me that wants to be validated. Like, oh yeah, I'm here. I'm the coach. I, 
I got you here and I'm going to validate myself even more by saying more than I've ever said. And it's like, well, how about it's not, it's about the athlete, you know, and if, if it's really about the athlete, then maybe I'll choose to say a little bit less, you know, and let them, let them do what they've prepared for. I've seen it time and time again in football culture because, you know, everybody gets, gets together right before you run out on the field and the coach always says, all right, guys, five things to remember. One, got to win the turnover battle. Two, defense, you got to show up. Three, offense, you got, and you're like, bro, we've literally been doing this over and over again for the last seven days preparing for this game. It's like, now is not the time, but that's what I always think. I, I remember when I was in college, I would nudge my buddy and I'd be like, oh, here we go. You know, time to play Indiana football. Right, he'd come out and be like, "All right, guys, here's what we got to do. We got to play Indiana football." And then I would say, "Well, we're we're zero and seven, so like maybe we should play Ohio State football instead. Like we shouldn't play Indiana football." But there would always be, and it, and it's kind of a joke, but you're right. It's just so we feel we feel like we're doing something. And I've tried to get away from I, I when I recognize when I recognize myself doing that on the gym floor. I try to get a I I try to intentionally shift kind of my perspective. And an athlete will say, "You know, is it?" is it supposed to feel like this, right? Or what am I supposed to feel? And I would usually go, okay, well now, you know, and kind of hands in, in the pockets or hand behind the wrapped behind my, my back. But now it's, well, what do you feel? Well, I feel like this. Okay. Tell me more about that. You know, why are you, why are you feeling that way? What do you think is happening? And then they figure it out and they self-correct. And then it's okay. Why don't you just try that instead? Oh yeah. I think, I think I might. And then good things happen instead of me trying to say, well, here's the problem. Your knees need to be slightly bent. You need to have your lats engaged. You need to push your hips back. You need, instead it's like, just feel exactly what you're saying. You think you need to feel, and it might take 10,000 reps to feel it out also. So you shouldn't have to feel it and you probably won't feel it today. But if we end up figuring that out by the time you leave and go to school, then we've, then we've won. But I try to intentionally get away from the point where I'm talking more and I'm, and I'm actually listening to what they're saying. And I think that's been a, been, been beneficial as well. And, and I think we're lucky because we get to work with the younger kids and the college kids and the pro athletes. So we can see the spectrum mm -hmm. and we can jump in when we need to jump in because like if a 12 year old can't do an A skip and I'll use that as the example, right? It just, he doesn't know where to put the keys on the piano yet. He doesn't know how to control his own body. So if I can even just help him move his body through this meaningless movement pattern, right? He's at least learning how to play the piano a little bit better and knows where to put his hands and how to play the keys. It's not going to give him rhythm. It's not going to make him faster, right? But then when we actually get into the real speed work, he might understand how to organize his body better. But we can't have self-organization without some initial guidance if we have no idea what's going on in general. So there is definitely a time to, to help kids learn how to control their own body. And, and a lot of times that is using cues or changing the environment to be able to get a kid to realize that they have control over how their body operates. We just have to like let them tap into that operating system. But we also see, you know, it really doesn't matter what the age of that kid is because we see 12 year olds who are just absolutely just like dogs out there right, <laughs> mo moving around like, like they've been playing pro sports for a while. And then we get the college kids that like have no idea what's going on yeah that um it is interesting like with the spectrum of seeing that spectrum of athletes seeing you know 12 all the way up to college or pro and you know jeremy jeremy frisch has been on this podcast mm -hmm. multiple times talking about you know i wish just i wish i could get that athlete when they were just a little bit younger to teach them some of these skills earlier on and 
Yeah, one of the things I'm actually blown away by with the younger group is being able to do lunges and move your arms as if you're in the running motion. So when your right leg comes forward, you know, your left leg or your left arm comes forward and vice versa. And I, I'm blown away by how hard that is for some people. I'm like, man, like if I can't, if you can't do this, like I, 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 I mean, I don't know, man. Like, the, yeah, it's a keys on the keyboard. Like, I, I mean, it's so simple, but just being able to lunge and move your arms like you're running. I mean, that's about as basic as it gets. So I definitely hear you with that one. I'd like to get you guys' perspective on this. We we talked a lot about play uh, and exploration and and that type of thing. I, I'm curious what maybe the other end you could call. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it. You know, we have, we have strength, or we have the branch of skill then and movement, and then you have you know, I guess conditioning on the other end, right? Or maybe you could just rebrand conditioning. And you know, Austin Yoakum, Will Rattel talked about like do something athletic, do something strong, do something that sucks. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on things that are difficult, like high rep stuff, difficult training, things that are very hard? I think CT, it might have been you I saw doing like, it was like lunges, a bunch of lunges and each lunge has its own like hold to it. And then you keep going, like just things that are repetitive and Mm -hmm. difficult, like in the, you know, the Jay Schrader realm of things, hard, long, ISO, uh, extreme holds, things like that. I'm curious what you guys take on that type of thing. So we had a great conversation with Ben Anacchione, who's the head strength coach at Akron University. And um, he put it better than probably I've heard anybody put it before, but you know, a lot of times, can I, I, I kind of always default back to football culture because that's that's what I was in for twenty plus years or so. But a lot of times, coaches will come up with conditioning and have no reasoning behind it, and just say it's for mental toughness or mental fortitude or whatever it is. Um, and that's fine, you know, if you feel like that's how you want to get to your kids. If if that's what was done to you and you feel like <laughs> that's what made you the coach that you are today, and that's what you want to do, that's fine. What Ben does when he's talking through his athletes through things like that is now I know this is going to be bad. I know this is going to be longer than you want it to be. I know this is not going to feel good. I know you're going to be tired and sore afterwards, and this is going to suck. But I'm doing this insert crummy conditioning drill, whatever it is. I'm doing this so you you are given a task that you don't think is possible to complete. You will complete it if it takes five minutes, 10 minutes an hour, right? Some of our lunch things that James and I have done have been an hour, an hour and 15 minutes of lunches. Like we will complete it. And once you do, then the next time you're in a situation where you don't think you can complete a task, I want you to remember this situation where you grew and you were able to do this thing that you weren't, that you didn't believe that you could do. And I think there are things that we set up in different training sessions and different conditioning things and different, like you'd mentioned, ISO holds and hangs we do a lot um, where we put athletes in that position and say, hey, I know when I said this is what we're trying to do, you're thinking it's impossible. Look at what we all accomplished. You guys all did this and held this thing for a certain number or push this sled or push this. I mean, the last thing we, we did, we, we had kids leave out 390 pounds of dumbbells. So we made them push a plate 390 yards. And that's another thing. It's like, this isn't going to help you in your sport at all. This is punishment, but it's just to remember you need to clean up your stuff, right? But then at the very beginning, all the kids are, oh, I'm never going to be able to, 300, how are we ever? And it took 25 minutes. But the conversation afterwards is, okay, now the next time you are faced with something difficult in life, understand that with a little bit of intent, you can probably accomplish it. 
And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to things like that. We've done, um, James and I did what a couple months ago, a mile lunge, right? Just a mile walking lunge where it was, you know, your first step. You think, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to complete it. And then an hour into it, you finish <laughs> lunging a mile. And then the first thing you think is, wow, like what else can I do? Right. And I think that's a big, I think that's a big part of what coaches can, you know, add, add value to those crummy, crummy situations and conditioning drills and ISOs and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I definitely think there's things that we as coaches lean away from that we don't see any like crossover benefit from like the physical output being a detriment to our athletes. Right. So I I think that still, obviously it still goes on in, in other places and maybe we, toe that line a little bit, but we're not putting our athletes in, in situations that like by doing this conditioning, we're putting you in a bad position as an athlete. Um, and, and to me, some of those things are just like running for long distances when we're not a long distance runner. Um, you know, I think doing things because we, they're hard is, is not a good enough justification, but I think like we can have some intent behind what we choose. That's going to be hard. That'll also have some residual benefit. And, and we lean on heavily, like the plate pushes, um, and, and the distance lunges. Um, I, I think the, the specific thing that we like about the distance lunges is, um, you know, you have to touch your knee to the ground and you can't take any steps in between. So you can't cheat the distance that you're lunging. Um, and, and we've pushed those to the extremes personally. And like, we were better for it the next couple of days and it didn't wreck us. So then we mm-hmm. can know that like, okay, well, these are college athletes. They're way younger than us. Like, hopefully they recover better than us, um, and take that shit seriously too. Um, so they can do less than we did and be fine from it, even though in the moment to them, it seems ridiculous. Um, and I, I think that's kind of like created another monster for us because like we tell our kids, Hey, 15 minute lunges. And they're like, okay, that's it. Like, you know, and we do that to warm up on Wednesdays before we go play a game. Um, so, you know, I think there is definitely like the psychologic, the psychology component to like seeing what that hard stuff is. And, and then being able to just like, okay, let's go do it. Uh, but that doesn't, it, you don't start there. You definitely don't start there. And I think it goes back to the point too, James, like we talked about earlier is we are doing it. We're in it. And I, and mm-hmm. I, and I, I respect so many coaches who've been in this game for a long time and I don't expect them to do everything their athletes are doing. Right. So I don't mean anything negatively to the coaches who don't do these things, but we only started 15 minute lunging our athletes because we were 15 minute lunging and then we did an hour. And then, so we had one athlete do an hour and then she talked about how, Oh man, I, I was only, I thought I could only do 15 minutes. I did an hour because James and CT did an hour and you know, and it's like, we're, we're constantly doing those things and it goes back to the flips and in the sprints and all that kind of stuff is they can see it and they can realize like, Oh, it didn't kill these guys. They're still here. You know, they're not dead. So maybe it is something we can do. What And what else is my body able to do now on my field or in my sport that I didn't think I could do before? Right? Like athletes who can't dunk. Well, now all of a sudden they can do backflips. And it's like, well, maybe I, maybe I can dunk. Like, why don't I spend a little, a couple more intentional days after practice trying to dunk? And the next thing you know, they, they dunk. And it's, and it's just because a week later they, or a week earlier, they, completed a 15 minute lunge that they thought was going to bury them and didn't. Right. So I think because we're doing it a little bit, athletes recognize that we are still able, able to perform and we're still able to coach. And then they recognize they can do it. And it's just cool to see once you kind of 
realize that it's unlimited to what you what you can succeed it's really cool as an athlete to be able to kind of take ownership of that and then explore themselves from there yeah i love that i that's one of those things that's in my um, athletic life coaching life podcasting you know the time i've been podcasting so far i think we tend to it's always it's always about pendulums and uh, you know the word hate to use the word context but there's context too but you know it's like well conditioningly demonized like oh we you know, don't do you know and, and i mean it's, if you go to like i like i spent a season as a volunteer assistant for a high school track program recently uh, you know just came in one day a week to work with hurdles and jumps and things and like it was a program where shin splints were normalized and to me that's that is not a um that is not a good use of conditioning when in track when shin splints are normalized like that that is you're ineffective because that's your mo but at the same time well can't conditioning be a good thing in the sense of like how can i level up how can i but then it is the context i, I think it's uh, it maybe it's something to do with when you use your sport to condition when you use the thing that should be high velocity explosive and full of intention and decision making and you use that as the conditioning then i think that can be problematic and like you guys said you guys got lunges play pushes it's something different and i think it's something that is also in in some um nature lower impact it's like you have to shift that into a world that it's okay. Now we can maybe treat this as such, and and not to say that you can't when you are in your sport. Not to say you could never do that either. I do think there's some value, and I've seen coaches, swim coaches, that every once every two weeks they put the they push that button down hard just because it's and it's to the point where it's maybe a little unreasonable. But the typical training is very reasonable. Um, I've, I remember reading an article about it was um, David Torrance who passed away um, sadly several years ago. He's a miler for Cal, and it was either his high school coach or some other coach he had in his life um, who he'd be running repeat four hundreds, and his coach would say, "All right, we're going to do one more." It was like one more, more than they needed to, and he's like, "You know what? This one has nothing to do with track. <laughs> it's not going to make you better, but you're doing this because someday you know you're going to be a dad and you have to pay the bills, or you're going to have to do a work you don't want to do, or." But he framed it. He didn't, he's not like, he put that intention behind. He's not sitting there saying, well, you just got to be tough and let's just be tough. And the intention is just massive. Um, so it's just, it's interesting to look at that pendulum, you know, and, and, and where's the context. And, and to me, I, I think a lot of it is, it's not really, it's trying to not necessarily use the sport to do that kind of thing. And when, and to frame it with the proper intention. And when you do use the sport, frame it with the proper intention. And versus that's just the only weapon I have. Let's just be tough. Let's just do more. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like that, that mentality, because that's an epidemic of itself that needs to be pushed away from. So, but at the same time, going completely away from things that are hard, I think is really detrimental as well. So I, that's really cool how you guys have framed it in with, on that level. Well, I know we were in the finishing up some of our winter conditioning last year in with the football team. And I was, very inspired from a conversation that I had with an athlete and we were doing these finishers, you know, that coaches ask and, and is in this specific situation, they had lost on the final play of the game with 28 seconds left. So they said, you know, give me the hardest thing you can do for 28 seconds, whatever. So like James had mentioned, we want to do something that has some, some value to it. So we would do a, do the split squat and we'd hold a, our body weight on the barbell underneath our front leg on the split squat. Right. And so we were doing it every day and it got to the point where, Nobody was having any more success than they were the previous day, which was frustrating to me because I, because again, I'm doing it. And so I'm putting whatever, 205 pounds on the bar and I'm, I'm like, this isn't that hard. What is it? Like, 
I must not be delivering the message well enough for the athletes to to understand what I'm looking for. So there was one day where we where we did it again. I, I was inspired, and so at the at the very end, I brought everybody together and I said, you know, um, how how many of you athletes had a difficult time getting here to this division school to play division two school to play football? And you have, you know, like 60% of the hands go up. And then it said, you know, how many of you have people who doubted that you'd ever be able to be here? And it's like, okay, you get a, you get a couple more hands up. And then it's, you know, um, how, how many of you have had a heart, you know, a, a difficult childhood coming up and then people didn't ever think that you would be able to be a college athlete. Okay. Then you get more. And so it was like, I just kept giving them certain certain questions that I knew the answers would eventually get everybody together where everybody's raising their hands and saying, basically like, yes, I've overcome adversity. I've overcome things that have been super hard. I, you know, my family isn't perfect. And then they recognize like, oh, my other teammate, oh, my family's not perfect too. And I have these relationships that aren't great for me and all this. So everybody's got their hand raised and it's, and that's what it was. It said, I, I had said, you guys have overcome so much to be able to get here. All I'm asking you to do is hold on to this bar for 28 seconds. That's not like you've accomplished and overcome so many things bigger than that. I said, I just want you to put some of that energy into this. Like that, that's why we're doing this, right? Because there are hard times in life. There are really, there are much harder things than playing college football. And we will have to deal with that. And I know that we're all here now because we've experienced those things and had to get through adversity. Nobody's got an easy path to, to get where they want to be. And we had that conversation. And the next day we had like one or two guys drop the bar when we, the first time had all 115 of them. And again, I just had to have some introspection and think like, what am I doing wrong? That's not getting the output that I'm desiring from these guys. Then that's all it was. Like you said, it's not, this is not about football. This is way bigger than that. This is proving to yourself that you can do difficult things. And when you face something difficult in the future, which you absolutely will, it's inevitable. How are you going to respond to it? Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to pick up the bar. All right. Then pick up the bar. You know, I'm going to hold on to the bar. Well, hold on to the bar then, right? As a metaphor. And um, that was cool. You know, you have a couple conversations like that. And then people still talk about it months later. And that's, again, another thing. But as a coach, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm on the right path. To, to inspiring some people. I was about to say that, yeah, we talked about, I'll remember, you know, that backflip, you know, I learned with CT, but like that yeah. as well. I remember that time we all held the bar. Like those are things that people always take with them and they can, you know, leverage that to get a little bit more strength when they need it. And it's uh, like, I, I've been so convinced that, you know, our, our training progress, it's, it is the result of the emotions and the drive that we, and the heart we can generate towards that goal. You know, if, if that's not there, it's, it will limit us. And, you know, it's like, I think maybe that's what people are trying to get at when they just blow up people with conditioning without actually talking about it or directing it or right. actually having a plan for it or when or how it fits with high velocity and everything else that's specific. But yeah, I, I that's definitely what players will remember. I, I, I love that story. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I hope so. Well, anyways, guys, I think that's a good point to to leave this one. I, I had some other questions on like some cool jump training and other things you guys are doing, but maybe we could save that for another time. I think that's a good place to, um, you know, kind of hang our hat for this show. Oh, so, yeah. Um, awesome. Really appreciate you guys being on. Um, where can people find you, uh, your podcast, your social medias, those types of things? Um, 
direct people where they can check out more of your stuff. James, go ahead. Yeah, so um, we have a podcast called Cutoffs and Coffee, uh, which is on all podcasting platforms. Um, and we've had Joel on as well. Um, awesome episode. So you got to check that one out if, if you like this. Um, and then we also have uh, T3 Performance Instagram is where you can find our facility that we get to train at. Um, and then individually, um, I am James D underscore T3 on Instagram and Twitter, but I, I'm not good at Twitter. So mostly Instagram. CT. Yeah, all all that, and then I'm at the real CT on Instagram. A lot of fake CTs out there, so don't not, don't follow them. Follow <laughs> so many. the the real ones. So yeah, and, and like he'd mentioned, um, you know, if you liked any of this, we had an unbelievable conversation with Joel on the Cutoffs and Coffee podcast, and and a lot of guys who a lot of guys and and girls and high performers are, are the people we kind of seek out to try to find to to help you know inspire us and motivate us and and we've had great conversations through 50 episodes on that podcast and um so we'll we'll keep that going you can find all of our info um there in the podcast man we just give you we're we're open books and we try to give you you know the the best and the worst of us so hopefully um hopefully people have enjoyed that and we're going to we're going to keep that going so we have, we appreciate you having us on um and I think we had another great conversation that people can get a lot of a lot of info out of yeah, that was really great having you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, James, CT, can't thank you enough. So yeah, talk to you later. Thanks for being on. Back to awesome. doing some Thank you here. so much. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to another podcast. I appreciate you all being here. If you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Uh, leave a review. I'd be really appreciative of that. We'll see you all next week with another great guest. Have a good one.